Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, podcast where we're going to be focusing on founder and investor fit. I am Farooq Siddiqui, founder and CEO of Definance. I have with me Thomas Tellner. Say hi, Thomas. Hello, Thomas. <laughs> Thomas is my co-founder. And then we also have with us uh, another very special founder. Her name is Chelsea Cooper. Hey, Chelsea, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Awesome. Well, uh, great to have you with us. This is our second uh, recording or episode. And we talked about, I think last week, a little bit uh, that we wanted to kind of make this more inclusive, get more get more folks involved. And first person that came to mind was Chelsea. So Chelsea, we met last year, I believe in 2020. So maybe you can tell that story of how we met and, and what are you doing exactly? How are you a founder? Awesome. So yeah, so we met at the WeWork Labs ready to raise program, which, you know, helped investors, I mean, actually helped founders to get a better grasp of what it is to raise capital. Um, but it was also open to all the different WeWork Labs companies and, you know, just got them ready either to think about raising or if it was even really a fit for their business. So it was a really great program. And I know um, there was a great opportunity to meet a lot of other founders, which I always try to take advantage of. Yeah, and, and we'll talk a little bit later about what happened afterwards for both of us. Like, you know, at Definance, we actually started to raise and you still have not. So that's interesting to talk about too, as to you went through that program and still haven't raised capital and we have. So we'll talk about some of those differences. But before we get to that, let's talk more about you. Like, what do you do exactly? Um, I think you're, the, of course, you're the CEO of Approvely. So what is Approvely? Yeah, so I've, I've been uh, running payments companies for the last, I would say eight years now, but I have a long background in the, in the industry. So I've learned the payment space or FinTech space from uh, my family. So my dad was one of the VPs of, of a large company called uh, First Data, now mm. Pfizer um, for many years. And then he started his own company. So I've watched and grew up around founders and um, that's really just been in my blood. So um, I started Approvely in the beginning of the pandemic. And so our focus is really to help merchants or business owners that fall into a high risk category. So we have specialized in uh, customers that have more chargebacks or fraud and have some technology around helping them to fight that. So yeah, so we've been on the journey as well and understand what a lot of founders go through and just that there's so many different ways that you can approach uh, your company. And I think where I'll be coming from is really just understanding from a business side what it is to raise and why, you know, maybe a, a company would choose not to or defer. Yeah, and part of what we're going to be doing throughout this podcast is, is kind of, you know, in, in many ways, like documenting these various different journeys and backgrounds that founders have as well and how that relates to raising capital and doing other things. So there's a contrast already, and Thomas, you know, you can touch upon this too, but like, I come from a South Asian background, right? Like, so in my culture, it's all about becoming a doctor or engineer mm. and going to college and getting a well-paying job and starting a family and, you know, doing all these things. And, and that's sort of how my career also began with a very large company called Aon and, you know, in the insurance side of the of financial services. But eventually I recognized that and I, I was kind of made to be a founder, you know, like at least mindset wise and, and everything. And, and we'll talk about some of those issues too as we go on. But uh, where you come from a, a, a background or a family of founders, right? So it's so interesting that, you know, people come from these different places 
and you know end up in this in this founder journey. So um, yeah, let's touch upon that too. And Thomas, what about you? Like what uh, kind of starting a business? How has that been for you? Is that something that comes part of your DNA, like with Chelsea, or is that something that you've learned along the way? I couldn't be. This apple couldn't have fallen further from the founding tree. I mean, I'm not where I no. I'm being very honest. Like Fruk, you said, just kind of culturally, I grew up in a factory town in the Midwest, where they just. I mean, they lit, they wouldn't say it. Sometimes you'd catch them saying it, but the schools were like, "Well, we're successful if we can educate them enough to go work in the factories." Um, they didn't even teach algebra until your senior year mm. of high school, which should you know. And now I'm in data science so mathematical right but i had i had to really run to catch up with everyone else because i was so far behind mathematically and so so no i mean it, it's not in in my dna and the, everyone i surrounded myself with when i grew up would probably say what found a company that's that's not for us we're just not at that level you know we're not that kind of people and i think we said last week maybe i'm not sure but i've said it quite often that now that i've been on this journey and i did do one company on my own the, the gaming company um, that uh, you start to talk to the the VCs and the people that have money, and you realize, no, they 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 put their pants on just like you do every morning, and they make mistakes, and they follow some of them follow templates, some of them fake it till they make it, and uh, it's you know one thing that I'm hoping that people will get out of this is if you're thinking about doing a startup and you've never you don't have it in your DNA, trust me. You don't have to have it in your DNA. You you actually can do it. There's not a formula. There's not a formula, but you can do it. Or it's something that you can discover uh, in your DNA. That I think sort of like what I've done over the years. Sure. So, so Chelsea, how do you think your journey has been has been different in you know coming from a fam you know where your father has been a founder and so on? So I mean, I think that a lot of those early experiences shape the way you think. Um, and so it doesn't mean that a founder can't change the way they think or they can't seek out a group of people that shape their, you know, their thoughts. But I think just being raised in a family where my dad was constantly taking risk really helped me to kind of step out. So since I was pretty much 26, I've supported myself, you know, and in, in one way or another. And generally it's through starting companies. I had a small lifestyle company at a very young age too. So I think, you know, but then I talked to people like my husband and he, he has, he has a different risk tolerance. So he was raised in a different family and the comfort level there is, is different. So I would say that those are things that as a founder, if you, you feel like that's, those are things that you want to change. I think it's really about finding the connections and the network and the people that you can trust that have been on a journey or have experienced something that can share with you. And I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of having this group of people that you can trust that come from different schools of thought, right? So if you have someone in your network who maybe takes more risk than you, it's always great to have that as well as someone who wouldn't and use that and leverage that as you make decisions because I think we can be blinded when we when we hear this, you know, the term of like, um, you know, I want to be with like minded people. But I don't know that that's actually the right approach, because I think if you're with like minded people, you're only going to really see what you want to see. And I, I think that my biggest learnings have always come when I seek out people that don't think the way that I think. Um, and that's a that's actually a better place for me. And it doesn't mean that I always take 
that, you know, their advice, but I will go to them and I will take it into account when I'm trying to make a decision. So I think having this very diverse pool of people that have done different things will help you along the way and, and throughout the journey. So, I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, investors and that's a great point about like-minded people because what you don't want with definitely don't want your own team is groupthink, right? Where everybody's thinking along the same way, right? People are not pushing the envelope and coming up with coming up with ideas that are that are different and unique. But what about investors? It's like you always, you know, at least as a founder, at least I think about it, it'd be great to have a like-minded investor. So does the from an investor perspective, does it make so does that still carry forward? Because if you don't have a like-minded investor, is that is that investor or or that fund gonna take you in a direction that's you know, going to potentially derail your business? Or is it going to be, maybe they challenge you and, and make you grow, right? So, but I think there's like a danger to that. But there's also maybe I can be the danger both ways. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, from a team perspective, I think we can agree, you don't, you don't want to have everybody thinking on the same line. But what about the, the capital or money that you get? Up to a certain point. What is like, you, you have to be a little bit careful what you mean by being like-minded and not like-minded. So you want somebody, let's take our own example to finance. We, we have a, a, a mission to be socially responsible, to, to alleviate debt. Um, and we're take, we take a different perspective, different stance on, on you know, the arrangement between people who are, are taking the money and people who are providing it. And if someone is not like-minded in that respect, then that is somebody who wants you to change your, your, your corporate ethos or even your business model. You don't want to have someone say, no, 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 it's all about shareholder value. You, you, you got you to screw those people over to get as much out of them as you can. That's not like-minded, right? However, if they're like, no, we're totally for your social mission. We do believe it's got to be a, a kinder, gentler financial system. But they're, well, maybe you should go B to B instead of B to C. That's, that's helpful. That's something that you have to debate. So there's a limit. There's, there are certain things about which everyone must be like-minded. And there is no discussion on those. And then there are a lot more things that are open for discussion. Yeah, and I mean, I think too, like if you're, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, and you know, if you're if you're looking for someone that maybe brings something to the team that you guys don't have, then maybe not, right? So if you're looking for an investor that has connections and is going to bring something new to the table or possibly has more on the business development side, those are things I think that would come into play depending on what your company is looking for in the future investor. And just like anything else, you have to consider their risk tolerance and you know how are they going to contribute and how are they going to help if that's part of, of why you're bringing someone on. Yeah, and I mean, I know Chelsea, when we've talked, you've used like moral compass, I think you know, used that term. And, and Thomas, Thomas just talked about sort of, you know, the social responsibility aspect of what we're doing. So, so we can maybe agree that, you know, from an investor perspective, finding investors that have the same vision and values as, as you know, we do as founders and what our company stands for, but then they can bring some perspective to the execution and operational elements 
that can push the envelope and make us think differently. Is that something that kind of makes sense in terms of what kind of investors people should be looking for? I think so. I, I, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean, I think uh, just like anything, you know, I would say it's really hard to change personality, right? So just like mm. when you're hiring almost, you know, it's like you can train, you can train skill set, but it's really hard to change someone's personality. So I think that's, that's definitely has to be aligned, at least for us, like hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah. As they say in sports, right? You can't coach speed. So uh, there's things you can coach. There's things you can't no, coach. You, there's things you can't. Yep. So I know we, we talked about a little, we want to have a general idea about a topic or two we want to talk about, but before we get to that, another interesting point that I think Chelsea, you made was this whole uh, concept of risk, right? So there's lots of things different about founders. We, we all come from different backgrounds, you know, different cultures, different everything, and, and working on different business models and so on. But is this a common ingredient, like a, a, a denominator that the ability to take risk and the risk tolerance has to be at a, at a much different level than the everyday person? Is that a common thread in founders or not really? I mean, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, what are what are your guys' experience with that? I, I yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Thomas. Go ahead. You jump in. No, no. I mean, you you can go. Um, but uh, again, it's just a matter of what you mean by risk. Risk isn't just rolling the dice and saying, "Well, I'm gonna start a startup and eh, I got a 50-50 shot. If it works, it works. If it works, it doesn't. Eh, it's all right, right?" Um, risk is is just simply an outcome different than you expected. So you expect an exit of $20 million, you exited $100 million. That's a risk. People think, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's an idiot. No, it's a risk. It's just, it's an outcome different than what you expected. So how do you really, is it really risk or is it just, is it just- Or, or the ability to take stress? risk, right? The ability to handle and take a risk. But manage you, stress. You're, 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 yeah, manage stress. And you're really talking about, I'm going to put up X dollars of my own money and I'm putting it at risk, right? That's what it is. That's what it is. And I, I've shared with you before that um, for just to remind everybody, uh, I am based in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. And a VC once said he loves it whenever there's an economic crash because all these people lose their jobs in Silicon Valley and they go out and they start their own companies. Mm. Now, at first, I thought, wow, that's really smart. But at a, a, I'm thinking of, of it. I thought, well, no, it's good for him because they can stuff their pipeline full of companies. And it's a numbers game. One of them might be a unicorn. Everyone else is just is going to collapse. But all they need is one, right? They just need that one unicorn. Um, so, you know, your risk is kind of also a matter of where you're at at that point in time. Hey. I don't have a job. I've got cash. I don't have a job. So, you know, you ain't got nothing. You ain't got nothing to lose. Start the company. Um, so it, I, I think it's really more about, you know, you put up your own money, which might segue us into another conversation that we've, we've been wanting to have. Um, and you risk, you do risk losing it. Uh, but there's a lot of other stuff too, that we, I'm sure we'll talk, we, we should talk about at some point risk in terms of this, you know, losing time with your family 
Um, can you balance it? Can you lose your family? A lot of founders do. Um, so yeah, you have to, you have to manage the risk. Absolutely. If you can't take risk whatsoever, don't, then no, don't get into this game. Accept it and manage it. There's a whole opportunity cost to, to whether it's family, whether it's giving up on your career, right? Mm -hmm. So many things that you're putting up, um, you know, putting up, I guess, to uh, taking that chance or risk uh, when you're building a company. Um, so now let, let's let's talk a little bit about Chelsea. So why haven't you raised since uh, ready to raise? I use that as a as a learning opportunity because I knew the time was coming for us to raise, right? So that's so so it was a from a timing perspective, it worked out nicely. We work labs had a um, has a huge network right uh, out there. And um, so that, that was my motivation going into that, that yes, we're gonna learn. And then uh, afterwards, uh, we're gonna come out of it and hopefully raise capital. And, and honestly, like really that, that program, and I've mentioned this on, I think in LinkedIn uh, before, that program led to us being discovered by Techstars Boulder because the MD watched our pitch video. That, you know, there was a little pitch thing at the end of it, right? So he reached out to me uh, and, and that started the process of us becoming a Techstars company and, and became an integral part of our journey uh, forever, uh, that whole program. So that was our motivation going into it. But since you haven't raised, love to hear your thoughts as to why you went through the program and, and then what, what decision-making process have you've gone through to still you know, still keep going and bootstrapping. And it's it's still a working and fluid conversation. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, which is our which is the point of this podcast, yes. right? Um, so you know, our business um, is is one that I you know I I made the decision when I started that it would be better for us to focus on getting to a really good uh, monthly MRR. So we wanted to see like where we could take the company and then from there, like make a decision strategically. So I, when I launched the company, I talked to a number of different strategic partners and advisors and old time folks in the payments business and, you know, all sorts of different advisors that I have about our strategy. And I thought that, you know, for us, the best thing to do would be for us to focus on growing the company ourselves first and see what our strategy was going to look like, what types of clients we were going to get. And then from there, make a decision if we wanted to raise. Um, simply put, because if you're going to the table and you need the cash, you're really not in a good position. So we have a business plan and not all companies out there do, but our company is afforded the benefit that we can actually grow the company on a very like bootstrapped, like lean model. Like we don't need a very large cash infusion to start. We're not like, you know, some of my friends that are in Miami that have like aerospace companies and all of these other tech companies that, that do require like a pretty big lift um, from a capital perspective, we don't. So um, we bootstrapped and put technology together and then said like, let's, let's get this company to where we want. And then we'll be in a better position to go to the table and say, look, we don't necessarily need the money. Let's see why we would want to bring the money, you know, to the company. So for us, it's made more sense to do it that way. It's not, I mean, trust me, I think about it all the time. I'm like, oh, it'd be really nice to play with other people's money, you know, but I think the right move for me was just 
to make sure that I was making decisions um, and the way that I wanted to grow the company before saying, okay, now I have a board and now I have all these people that I have to report to. So I want to build the company in the beginning, early stages. And it also forces me to do a lot of the things in the company that give me the insight onto our customers and to our partners and really understanding like what the market looks like. And I think if I would have had such a bigger team and all of these other folks, maybe I would be a little bit more removed. And I'm a very like hands-on person mm -hmm. when it comes to growing the company. So those are really most of the reasons. Um, and probably for us, like a strategic partner or an equity partner that knows the space would be, would be the play for us. And, you know, I have been approached multiple times, which is, which is also, I think the benefit to a founder that's thinking about it is, you know, if you start something and you get some traction and you get out there, you know, and if it, it, I'm playing in a market that I know really well. So I also have that benefit of having, you know, seven, eight years in the space. People want to know what you're up to. And so we get asked, you know, like, what are you working on? What's interesting? Like, how can I help you? So it's kind of a role reversal in a way for us because, you know, we're not, we don't need to take the money at this point. So that, I mean, that was really the thought process behind um, the reason we did it. Now, there's, there's drawbacks to everything you do. And so, you know, a company in our space that would probably take a large um, investment, it's, it's true. Like they're probably going to go a lot faster <laughs> than, than us because we've made the conscious decision to keep, to keep all the equity and, um, you know, let's see where we can take this. So it's, there's no right answer here. It's really what works for you, you as a founder. And I think I've been told that multiple times, you know, don't look at what everyone else is doing. You need to look at what fits you as a founder, because if you're going against your natural state, then it's not going to work. So if you're, if you're a person that doesn't really do well to report to a bunch of people and all of this, like maybe you scale it back and you start it smaller and no one can tell you that's the wrong move. You know, you, you have to do what feels right for you because if you're working outside of your comfort zone where it's you're really going against the grain I think it's going to be challenging absolutely and, and I think you know one of the probably the advantages of building a company in today in this modern um, landscape of fundraising is especially with like equity crowdfunding and and even revenue-based financing models that are popping up you know all over the place there's at least more different ways of raising capital today than they were maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, where the only outlet was a VC or, you know, or whatever. Uh, but now, so for example, you know, um, if you don't want to have a bunch of people on your board, well, there's maybe there's an opportunity to go raise through equity crowdfunding where those, that capital is not going to come with those types of requirements that they have to be on your board and, and so on. Uh, but it presents its own challenges, uh, different types of challenges, right? So, but that's a cool thing, at least. So, I think um, in your mind, do you do you believe that you will need to raise capital at some point, as of today, in this fluid situation, or do you think you can still build this company, maybe not have to raise capital at all? Oh, I mean, it's a hundred percent possible to not need capital in our space. Um, for us, it would really be about a strategic move. So if we were going to be planning to launch a new product. If we were, you know, we were going to have plans for a new marketing objective, like there would be a, there would be a very strong reason why the numbers made sense for us to, to raise capital. Got it. Yeah. 
All right, so we did try this. Yeah, sorry. I think very quickly, I think two words Chelsea said is, are very important to anybody that's founding and thinking. Our space. If you have to know your space, right? Like she said, oh, we've got these friends that have these aerospace companies. I mean, if you wanted to go out and start um, an auto factory, you're going to need to raise. Because unless you have money to uh, the, the millions and billions of dollars to build a factory, you're going to have to go out and raise, right? But if you're a service, then maybe not. Um, but, you know, we can go down that route. I mean, that's that's a whole another episode too, just bootstrapping. And that's the beauty. People really need to understand the beauty of this, this whole startup, worldwide startup environment, is that there are people that will, may not even provide you money, but... If you if you have a product and you and you want to um, you go to somebody who's like minded like we said a company that's like minded that would be a customer and say will you try us out will you try us out will you be a customer and use our product and then all of a sudden you've got you know you've got your first user uh, you know and they'll and, and maybe you'll say share equity or or give them a reduced rate or something or do it for free but uh, that I mean that you you have to know your space. You know, for some people, this is sort of chaos that has to be managed when you're building a company is, is going to drive them absolutely bonkers and crazy, and they're not going to be able to handle it. But I think one of the another common thing with, with founders is that whether you call this risk or managing stress, I mean, it's probably, maybe it's part of it, uh, is that, you know, I mean, I mean, I would say we love it, right, in the sense that the chaos is what's, what's so exciting. And, and things being fluid and kind of going in different ways and different directions and being able to pivot into one area or the, or other is what keeps it, you know, exciting and interesting. Um, and kind of, at least from my perspective, it, it, you know, keeps me excited about all this stuff, right. All the time working on this, even though it's hard and challenging, but the flu the fluidity of this whole thing is, is very cool. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. I can just speak to Farouk and I think you might even have remembered some of the, founders that were in our program, you know, I think they were just trying to figure it out. And I think there was a good bunch of founders in the group too, that kind of were like, well, I'm starting a company. So I think I need to take this path. And I think that that distraction too is also challenging for founders, right? So like if early on you can identify the few like key things in your business that are going to move the needle very early on and try to stay laser focused on them because you can get very distracted. And I mean, you guys can speak to way more than me and I can only speak to what it is to raise from all of the female founders that I know in Miami that have done it. And they, you know, it's, it's an entire job in itself. So I think really understanding early on if that's that if that is a route you need to take and then if not focus on the key actions that are going to be the needle movers for you and your business when you start out and just because you're starting a company doesn't mean you have to raise capital either or you have to go a traditional route like Farouk has said you know so yeah I mean I think maybe that's that's the big message today is that there is no template there is no game plan there's everybody has to figure out what works for them right uh, and and what strategy to pursue. But for that, I think one of the key things that you know I've learned along the way is you really have to start, you really have to network, you have to talk to people. There is a huge ecosystem out there to support startups 
from like Techstars, which is one of the leading accelerators, uh, startup accelerators, but there's a bunch of incubators, mentors, uh, and even founders, uh, whether existing founders or ex-founders who are out there and, and they're always willing to talk and, and, and offer advice. And I think that's one thing I would encourage every um, founder to do um, is to really get involved and network and talk to people and, and help you make those decisions and get those varied uh, viewpoints that, that are necessary. All right, any final thoughts or comments? Uh, I think this was uh, interesting. I think we talked about 20 minutes, but it's, it's getting close to 30. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of cool. Anything, Thomas, LT, you guys want to add before we wrap up? Thanks for having yeah. me on here today. Well, I hope you enjoyed yeah. it and would love to have you uh, stay on with us and, and keep talking about various issues around our, around founder and investor fit and and hopefully, you know, kind of learning from your, uh, you know, fluid process of seeing where you end up going in this regard as well. Of course. I am good. I think we covered a lot. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys uh, for, uh, for the conversation and thank you for listening. We will be back again with our third episode. Uh, we have no idea what it's going to be about just yet, but we will let you know when the time comes. Thank you again. Bye. Bye. See you.